Howdy, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, if you're visiting, you probably are kind of confused. What's, what exactly are we doing now? The hymn study kind of speaks for itself, though. It's a, a little bit shorter than a typical sermon, just a, an examination of one of our hymns. In our, and uh, tonight it'll be in a supplement. It's number 15, and that'll be exalted. So you can be opening up in your hymn books there if you want. And, and we'll be looking along uh, there in just a second. But before we do that, I kind of wanted to give a bit of a preface to the, the study uh, and talk about kind of a little, it's, it's a cool story of how the, the hymn actually came to be. Uh, just It was copyrighted in 1999, so I was about you know, two years old. Uh, I was a baby back then. Some of y'all may still say I'm a baby today. That's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this thing came to be in uh, 1999. It was written by brother Matt uh, Basford. That's a brother in the Lord uh, who still preaches and, and he's going strong and doing well. He, he writes articles and things and that's how I obtained a lot of the information about this hymn is I just read one of his articles where he you know, got it straight from the horse's mouth about the kind of the backstory of the hymn. So basically what happened with this hymn, pretty neat, uh, the hymn kind of went through the story that it's telling about Jesus in a way, like the hymn kind of died, Matt was you know, struggling to put the music together and he couldn't fit the music with the words because there were so many themes going on, so he just kind of threw his hands up and said, man, that... This is just going in the scrap pile, and he just kind of left it there forever until he finally found somebody who could who could help him. It's, that's Charlie Couchman, who actually I, I noticed another one of the hymns we were just we were just singing a minute ago. Uh, she worked on, um, so she she ended up helping him write the music for the hymn, and that kind of resurrected the hymn in a way, and, and gave us the the hymn that we have today in in Exalted. So it kind of beautifully mirrors the message of Jesus and, and of the cross. How how it, you know the, the hymn was kind of dead; it was kind of on the shelf, and then. And then, it, and then it raised again, and now it's one of our, I think, one of our favorite hymns here. Uh, we sing it quite a bit, and I, I love it every time. So, you know, uh, in Revelation 22, verse 13, if you're following along in your Bible, uh, if not, that's fine. Revelation 22, 13 talks about how Jesus is the, the Alpha and the Omega, how he's the first and the last. And I think that's the overarching theme for the entire hymn. So I want us to keep that in mind of how kind of the prophecies of the Old Testament in, uh, just foretold of Jesus and how he would be the Christ and how he would come, how he would be exalted to the greatest height of majesty, but how those prophecies also describe uh, a rejected cornerstone and a suffering servant like we talked about, some stuff that Josh talked about this morning, and, and we looked at how, how the Messiah would also suffer, yet be exalted. So, so Jesus' kingship and how it was obtained through his, the shedding of his blood, Acts 20, verse 8, uh, many, many today, they still can't see his kingship on the cross. They can't see how he's exalted because they're kind of looking with a, the physical eye. But we see that with a different view. We see that with the eye of faith. And I think this hymn brings out those spiritual truths that are associated with the cross and, and what was really going on on the cross amazingly. So that's kind of the message of the song. It has three verses in it, and it kind of has an echo with each verse. And I think each verse has a notable and a specific theme. So, so in the first verse... It kind of says, known before the world, glimpsed by righteous men, sent as David's heir, granted all the earth. The echo comes in, seen as seen in future days, the son of God. Sent as, again, sorry, the, the echo, I knew the echo would get me. So we can read how in how it was seen in future days, how he was granted all the earth, and, and we can see how, Jesus, forgive my error with reading the scripture, or not the scripture, the uh, the uh, verse there, it tripped me up. But the echo there and, and all the things that it says kind of points to the glory and the kingship of Christ. Now, he actually was the Christ, the Holy One of God. Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, he basically says, 
in, in layman's terms, who do you say that I am? Peter, I want you to identify me. Tell me who you think I am. Because a lot of people had different ideas about who Jesus was. And I believe this was a test of faith, kind of Jesus throwing the gauntlet down to Peter. And Peter responded and passed with flying colors, saying, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, in verse 16. But it's not for flesh and blood that Peter said that. He, he saw in that moment the spiritual significance of who Jesus was, that, that, there were, that he, he, was, he was the prophesied one from the scriptures. Now, he didn't understand everything about what Jesus was going to do at this point, but he understood on a deeper level who Jesus was. That he's not just another wise teacher, not just another prophet, but that he was everything. That he was the Christ, the Holy One of God. The culmination of thousands of years of prophecy. The King, the Messiah, the one that was to come. And yet, still, even though Peter could see this in this moment, Jesus was rejected, even by Peter, thrice. And he wasn't treated that way. And that's kind of how the verse 2 of the song goes. So, verse 2, seen with blinded eyes, met with wicked hearts, son of God, worshipped with contempt. Throned upon, throned upon a cross. And then in the echo, heard by heedless ears, the Son of God. So, we can kind of see how Jesus was mistreated. And how in Acts 2, how, how what Peter said was very true. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So in that passage in Acts 2, we, we, we all know it pretty much like the back of our hand. It highlights the, oh sorry, yeah, it highlights the shame that Jesus bore on the cross and how that, that, that he bore that weight that was intended for all of us, for our sin, and for the, even those people that, that were the ones that were yelling crucify for him. And so it highlights kind of the counterpoint to the first point, which is what gave Mr. Basford, our brother Basford, so much trouble was that there was so much contrast between the first verse and the second. In the first one, it's a glorious king. It's noble and regal and powerful. And in the second verse, it's shameful. It's contempt. It's blindness. It's, it, it's heedless. And so for, trying to find a tune for that was very difficult. And he, he had to recruit help for that. And it kind of makes sense. Because, because for us, for the human mind, this, this is a shearing couple of things. Glory and shame. How can the two exist in the same plane? So let's look at verse 3, and I think it'll, it'll bring out how that's possible. It says that Jesus was scorned by those who watched. but He was loved within belief. He was the Son of God. He was born to take my death, take our death. That he was slain to give us life. So what we can see there is the two kind of responses that can lead to two kind of ends. How enduring the cross granted Christ, Matthew 28, 18... All authority in heaven and on earth. How is that? Well, he was the prophesied suffering servant. It was, it was always meant to be. Those, those who knew the scriptures and really understood what Jesus was doing, they were able to see that. That he was the son of God. And that, that he had done what most thought unthinkable. That he was going, he was going face to face with death. He, he came out on top of that. And so what that demands is, that demands some kind of response. If a king makes a royal decree in a province, you either obey that decree or you disobey that decree. You have two options there. And since Jesus is king of, king and king of kings and lord of lords, since he is exalted, since he did humble himself to the lowest point and was exalted to the highest point, his authority demands a response. Now you can choose to, like, like the hymn says, you can choose to react with scorn. You can choose to stand by and watch. You can do that. You have the free will to do that, just like the, the lesson this morning. You can rebel against God. 
Grip the pew and resist then if that's what you want. You might know though full well that you need to make some changes, but you're just scared to death. And and, and you see the, the image of the cross that it almost seems too much. Thinking, I can't give my life. We don't you don't have to. That's what grace is, that's what Jesus did. But here's the thing. If you choose to grip that pew and you choose to make excuses, you gotta know. And you've got to understand this on the deepest level. Jesus was not finished with his work necessarily as a lamb. Because there's one more thing left to do, and that's for him to return as a lion. Read with me at Revelation 5, verse 5, where it says, Weep no more. The lion of Judah has conquered. This is the kind of the voice of the elders to John in his vision in Revelation. And, and they're saying the lion of Judah has conquered. And what is it that he's conquered? How is it that he's been exalted? What has he been lifted over? Well, everything, even death. And that's significant because greater love has no man than to lay down his life for those that he loves, for his friends, for all of us. He did that so he could show us that even death can't have power over us if we go with God. And it might seem impossible on the surface that a king could be exalted so highly. But Jesus showed us not only a way to heaven, he showed us that he is the way to heaven. And that was the exaltation that he received. And what our charge is, is to mirror that exaltation and to mirror that suffering. Even if it means we're going to be scorned. Even if it means that we would be crucified. Even if it would mean that we would be mocked. Even if it, mean that, even if it means that we would have to lay down our lives. Whatever it takes for the Son of God. The Bible tells us that if we'll humble ourselves that we'll be exalted. And there's probably a million reasons that you've had up till this point, if you're not a Christian... To, to not become a Christian, you've tried to justify it to yourself and say, man, I'm going to have more time. Or man, you know, uh, this is what someone I looked up to believed and it, uh, the message of the gospel doesn't necessarily line up with it. Or, or man, I, I've just got this sin that's clawing at my back that I want to linger with and I want to practice and I want to enjoy this for a little bit longer just for a season. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus is coming back as a lion. He's conquered all that stuff. He's destroyed every excuse that you have. He did that on the cross. That's the message of this song, Exalted. And we have to see that, and we have to see the authority of Jesus borne out. And I hope as we sing this together that you'll hear the need for your response because you're at a fork in the road right now, and you've got to either choose Christ or damnation. Which is it going to be? Now's your chance to come forward as we stand and as we sing.